This is Glenn Crooks on frame. Well, look, you check out the uh, landscape of analytics in, in soccer, and uh, more and more you can see how this has become a, a vital cog uh, in the development of players, the development of teams, scouting, uh, and much more. So today I want to welcome in uh, Daniel Fradley. He's the uh, head of performance analysis for New York City FC, uh, this uh, ever-evolving world of analytics. And uh, part of what I want to talk about with Daniel is how it's become a career for him and how it come, be, can become a, a career path, which uh, has, has really not been the case for, for, for very long. Daniel, what's happening? Glenn, great to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having Welcome me. back to the East Coast. I know you said you spent a few days in California. Good for you. And uh, I- I'm happy to see you back. Ah, thank you very much. Yeah, I had a, a couple of days out there with the missus and the family, just just catching up. Obviously, we're not seeing them through throughout the entirety of 2020. So it was nice to get away and see some uh, some different landscapes. Boy, that's that's got to be one of the uh, and I know you're a part of uh communicating with players and I'm sure you play the role of psychologist at times and just the, the number of players who uh, went months and have gone months without seeing their family, including your head coach, Ronnie Dyla. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was um, obviously it was a difficult year for, for everybody, but I think we uh, looking back and reflecting on the, the whole process of a year when we went into lockdown and obviously the, the season, the season shut off. I think we, we did a good job as a, as a group of obviously players and staff to, to stay in contact and to, to set up different Zooms and um, <clears throat> online trainings and group kind of uh, physical activity sessions such as kickboxing and yoga and things just to keep the brain active, keep everybody as, as close-knit and together as possible. Um, and I think that went some way, obviously not all the way, but some way of kind of bridging that gap and, and uh kind of challenging and, and getting through what was a difficult year as, as best as we could. So like everybody in, in last year, we were we're trying to be as flexible and adaptable to make the, the best of a, a terrible situation. Yeah, and you really weren't able to analyze performances per se unless you went back. So what was your role in all this as far as trying to work individually with the players or maybe small groups or maybe the team in, in its entirety as far as trying to keep them developing and thinking about their game? Yeah, of course. So it was, to be honest, it, we utilised it as a coaching staff at, at the time as best as we could. So obviously as a, as a new group um, coming together with, with Ronnie, Efrae, Nick, Mehdi, uh, obviously myself and Rob that have been here for a few years now, we've we come together as a new coaching staff and we've had the pre-season and a few games to, to go and, and look back on and obviously revise and reflect on what we've done for the pre-season and then put together the plan of as soon as we can come back, we can hit the ground running with, with sessions to develop our our style of play um, and we took the time again to, to really get to know each other um, relative to the actual players individuals and units like I said we did uh, a lot of physical activity on, on on Zoom and I coordinated kind of putting that type of schedule together to get um, with Jake and with Luke our physical coaches um, relative to on-field performance it was a good time to reflect on some of the objectives we've, we've set with certain individuals um, during pre-season and uh, to see obviously and reflects on their performance through training, through games when when they did play, and then utilizing, like you said, previous video footage to to formulate these these video meetings to hopefully just keep the brain ticking and keep kind of uh, poking out some of the plays to keep the juices flowing as we as we as we then head into what was the the Orlando bubble and individual training just before that. All right, head of performance analysis uh, for an MLS club, New York City FC, Daniel Fradley. Can you can you just describe your role as we get this uh, rolling a bit? Uh, 
give us a give us an idea of what the, the expectation is in your role. Yeah, so it's it's quite it's kind of multifaceted now as it as it's grown over over the years. Um, I think my main my main role is to support the coaching process through the utilization of, of video and data analytics. Um, and when we talk about coaching process, as you referred to, it's it's individual development of players, it's unit development, team development, uh, opposition analysis, which I lead. Um, obviously, the scouting of the opponents and helping formulate the game plan alongside Ronnie, Nick, Medi, and, and Efrain to um, to see at come up with the game plan of the, the tact of the weekend of, of what we want to do. Uh, and then obviously it's little bits of recruitment as well, just to, to provide input and, and analysis on that side. So it's multifaceted. It's it's a lot of underpinning and supporting processes and ideas and providing as much insight as possible from and maximising all of the, the resources that we have, especially focusing on the, the video and the, and the data side. So you're preparing for an opponent. Uh... Can you give us, uh, like, how far ahead of time do you work? In a regular calendar, you know you're going to play you know, Toronto FC in two weeks or, you know, however that works. So how far ahead do you have to work? And can you talk about some of the specific things that you'll look for and analyze yourself and how you prepare that for Ronnie Dyla and the staff? Yeah, so I'm typically in a, in a year, normal year, uh, however that looks and however we remember that to be, um, I look around start to prepare two weeks out, um, looking at obviously different oppositions at, at the same time. Um, I try and get as, as ahead as, as much as possible and I really start to zone in on the specific opponent a week from, um, two weeks from when we played them. So uh, for an example, if we were to play on the, on the 10th against Seattle, uh, and then on the 17th uh, against Dallas, seven days before the Seattle game, I'm preparing for Dallas. Um, and then obviously, as we get closer to those games and if they're playing games before, we touch up the work that we're doing based on their, their most previous performance. So we try to get in as, uh, we get into as much detail as possible as we can. Uh, a lot of focus is on the, the phases of the game, um, particularly how they impact the way that we want to play. So if how a team are looking to, if they build up from the back, do they play short, are they playing direct? And then obviously what can we do to be able to, to nullify them and what parts of our game will, will kind of transcend onto them? Can we put onto them in, in the, the best way possible, uh, obviously to affect them and to try and get the, to get the three points at the, uh, at the end of the day. So there's a lot of focus on the different phases and the breakdown through organisation of build up, um, how we attack in the final third. How do we defend in the final third? How do we build up? Um, how do we press? And then also transition moments as well. So there's, uh, yeah, there's there's multiple areas that we focus on, but then that also leads into the individuals uh, and looking at the individuals within each specific position. What did he bring to the team? Where do we think we can we can exploit them? Do you feel comfortable revealing? You know, it could be from the past. So uh, you've been with the club for several years now. Maybe something in an opponent that you discovered through uh, your film analysis that you presented to, to one of the coaches you've worked with, and uh, as specific as you can be, and how it helped the team in that next match. Yeah, so it, it happens on on a weekly basis. We have uh, we formulate the plan to look at certain areas of of a way that a team defends, and if certain defenders work in different ways. We know we can work on certain patterns of that week to then exploit the, the spaces that the team gives. So we're looking at um, what does an opponent give us in terms of space? Where is that space? And the way that we want to play, how can we put our um, our strengths of our attacking play and to maximise the space that the opponent gives us? So an example might be if, if a team is, speak generally, if a team has 
very attacking fullbacks that want to be aggressive. We know that they leave space behind. We can then build that pattern to exploit that type of space because we know that on a regular uh, basis, that space will actually be there. So then that informs training uh, processes where if we're going to design um, a pattern of play that might be, say, 11 against zero or uh, just a, a static passing um, static passing pattern, we can then put those spaces into the training plan and then go from there to, to start to paint that picture for, for our players alongside the, the video analysis and review what we'll what would do probably previous to, to training to actually give them the first look of how that opponent sets up. Can you take us inside the development of that training plan? So there you are with uh, perhaps on the big screen, you're showing you know what you've discovered uh, through your opposition analysis. There's the coaching staff there. Is there a, a back and forth as to how to develop that session? Is, is one of the coaches specifically uh, his responsibility to to design the practice and then come back with it. How does that all work? Yeah, of course. I mean, Ronnie um, Ronnie has really good ideas, and we work together ahead of time to be able to put these plans into place. So we're, we're really kind of well versed and with really clear communication. Kind of what we're going to do as we enter the week as we prepare for a certain opponent. Ronnie has his his ideas, and he comes with what he thinks is the is the best way to. Um, to put the week together in terms of a session, and then we then we're open for them and we discuss the, the ideas and we treat tweet little bits and uh, we kind of we go from there. Obviously, using the video, we have the setup of our coaching room. Um, I'm sure some of the, some of the fans that have seen some of the video, inside videos that um, our media department do is we have our uh, staff table, nice big long table with the, the big touch screen at the, the end of the room where everybody can have, have a good view. So everything goes up there, whether that is the actual training plan itself, all the video material to support it, all the data to support it. And where, behind um, where I sit, there's a big wall, which is just a whiteboard wall. And on there, we talk about different um, parts of the session. We draw up different areas of the field that we want to, to work with. Um, and it's yeah, it's, it's open forum to, to give the ideas. With then obviously Ronnie as the head coach and, and Nick as the assistants to, to go away and, and and really put that plan into concrete. At the morning of that session, then we, we come together again to finalise it all. I will work with all the coaches to type it up, put the plan together, and then obviously we go into the field or into the meeting room to, to present the day. So how much of the uh, film, or whether it's in clips or however you organise it, will the team uh, or individuals or small groups, again, you know, however you decide to do it, will they? how much will they actually see of this that you looked at to prepare the session? Yeah, so we, we want to, obviously there's a, we like to find the the perfect uh, kind of scenario, right? We don't want to overload players with too much. We don't want to underload them with, with not enough. And we know certain players like to receive information in certain ways. So it's not kind of a, a one size fits all. Yeah. Uh, so it wants to affect obviously all of our players in the best way that, that we feel that, that we can. Um, we look a lot at, picking out kind of the key principles or the key moments in the in the game as which is upcoming of what is our plan for these moments these are where we really believe we can hurt an opponent or where we need to be strong defensively so we will present this to, to the players to give them the overview of obviously what the first look from the video and then go out onto the field to, to practice and perform and then to review as well so uh, we go through two three at times four video meetings a week, depending on the week, depending on what we want to cover. One might be a review of our previous performance. Um, and then the other two, three might be look at set pieces, the opponent in possession, the opponent out of possession. Um, and yeah, we, we add the level of details using that as kind of the, the fundamental 
uh, part of the process. Um, alongside not just obviously the team meetings, we have unit meetings and individual meetings. Um, how many of them and, and what they look like obviously will depend on our previous performances, where certain individuals are in their development on their certain objectives, and then um, how are we going to prepare for, for that week. So sometimes it, it's not the same every week, but there is a foundation of, of team meetings that we, we always have as a, as a continuous. So we, we work at it from that point. Uh, Daniel Fradley, head of performance analysis for New York City FC, getting an extraordinary inside look as to uh, how his uh, job works and how it contributes uh, to the success of the program. Y you talked about you don't want to overload the players, so and that each player absorbs this information in different ways. So that's uh, that's interesting that you uh, maybe you spend more time with some individuals than others because of that. Uh, or are these meetings that are uh, the foundation and uh, are regular, are they kept to like 10, 15, 20 minutes? Is there a period of time that you uh, you make sure that you don't want to uh, surpass? Uh, yes, but then obviously some of the some of the better meetings might have gone for 30, 35 minutes because we've had a lot of back and forth with the players. So again, there's, there's no actual cap on it. But if we want to just deliver information, then obviously we want to be as short and as concise as possible to give the, the details and the specifics. So it's on it's up to myself and Ronnie then to, to piece that meeting together to be as um, as concise as possible, just giving being really very, very clear in, in what we want to put across and how we want to put across it. So there's no kind of grey area for the players. And then we go onto the field and then we can we can start to work on that. Um, Do you supply so what's the balance of supplying players maybe with uh, their own clips that they can look on their phone, on their iPads, when they're home. And, and what's the expectation from the staff on the player to study on their own versus the time you spend with them individually? Yeah, of course we have every player again is different um, and they like to do their own different analysis in different ways. But we, what, what our job is, is to, is to be very clear in what we want them to focus on. Um, obviously each player has their objectives of, especially the development players that we have in our team of, of what we want them to work on to help take them to, to the next level. Uh, and we, we push the develop, that development side to them through, obviously through video clips. They have access to, to absolutely everything, whether it's training, whether it's opponent, whether it's um, kind of post-match feedback. They can access that on the phone, on their iPad, like I said, on, on the laptop. Everything is there broken down specific to the individual, whether that's their individual clips, just highlights of them in the game or in training. And then another level of detail is that is the objectives that we work with these players on and they can see them specifically. So we can, we can hone in on the, the bits that we believe are, are important as well. Who's the player on New York city FC. That's really married to these clips that they, they can't survive a day. You know, it's like the marathoner that has to go out and run 10 miles a day. Yeah. So right now it's just James Sands. He loves it. He soaks it up. He's, he's very, um, he analyzes himself in, in great detail. And he knows this is a part of a game that, one, he, he enjoys it. He loves a game. He loves talking about it. He loves seeing things in different teams in different ways tactically. And he knows it can help him improve it. And the, the story I always tell our academy players is it, it's great because I'm kind of like the police of the, of the video clips, right? So I can see who's watching what, how long they've spent on, on uh, certain videos. And uh, back in the day, it was David Veer. Every single week, he was the one that watched the most training, the most of his performance, the most of the opponent. Um, and obviously that's coming towards the end of his career at New York and we all know the, the type of career that he's had. So it's, it's a really great tool to, to be able to show our academy players, our Canada leaderboard when David was here um, at NYCFC. 
and he's continued this throughout his career. So it, it shows kind of the, the elite of the elite, what they do, how they do it, and kind of how much they, they live the game. Wow, the leaderboard. So do you do you tell a player that he's uh, 26 out of 26 players on the first team, that uh, that's where he stands? To be honest, our, our players are, are really good in that sense. Like there's, there's right. nobody, there's, there's, there's the medium and the kind of the average time when you look at it over across the year, our, our players are, are they're all really good and they all buy into the process because they know ultimately it's going to help themselves. They're going to develop themselves in that way. So it's not, it's not a school type scenario where you've got to do this. This is your homework. You've got to do that. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's football. We all love the game. We all want to develop and improve and, and, and win as much many trophies as we can for MLS. And this is part of their, their development, which players nowadays as, as obviously we're, we're progressing with the, the use of technology and, um, players growing up with this technology, it's become part and parcel of their development and their life. So, and and before we uh, take our first break, the uh, that the th- you talk about Via and are the things that uh, a player like him, a winger or a, a forward player who's uh, who ends up in a lot of one v one confrontations as they're trying to get to goal, are they really studying that defender that they know they're going to go up against on a regular basis in a match? Yes, I, I point them in the direction of the the individuals that they're going to come up and face. Um, and alongside myself, uh, Mehdi Efrina is really good at looking at the individuals from the opponents. And uh, Kevin and, and Dan Miller, the analysts that, that work with me as well, we, we we jot down those points and we make them really clear as to what we believe this certain individual is, is good at, what he's weak at. And maybe if you can go on this side, you might gain a different a, a type of advantage. So, yeah, it's definitely something that we can pinpoint in our game plan. Then we can we can serve up that information, um, and yeah, and then go from there. Uh, we're back with Daniel Fradley. He's the head of performance analysis at New York City FC. Has been there for many since when, Daniel? What, uh, when did since you start? the last ten games of the first season in 2015. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I thought I'd seen you around quite a bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I still I still look as young as what I did when I first came, Glenn. So that's probably why you're a little bit. <laughs> yes, you're a you're a fine looking young man. Uh, so before we uh, get into, uh, you know, you did a, um, you did something, uh, at, uh, the New York city FC house, which, uh, that was back in 2017. It was a great thing that the, uh, the club did in a meatpacking district. They set up this house and, and, uh, there were a series of chalk talks and you did something and that's on the NYC FC YouTube channel, something you referred to earlier that some fans might be able to go out on social media and see, uh, see you at the whiteboard or, uh, and uh, the statistics versus analytics, which I want to get into. But before we do that, you mentioned you started in 15. So that's Jason Kreiss. Then 16, 17, 18. That's Patrick Vieira. Then 18 and 19. That's Dome Tehran. And now 2020 and 21, it's Ronnie Dyla. That's a lot of different coaches in a short period of time who probably seek different information. What's that been like for you as far as figuring out what they want or is it very similar is it is it not that big a deal there's there's certain nuances that certain coaches per, have preferred to, to look at obviously relative to the way that they work um the different coaches have worked in in different ways for the most part but there's there's not been had a total lot of difference to be honest um again certain coaches are demanding a certain focus in in different areas whether that's um, a few more numbers post-match um to review and help them review their process um whether a certain coach has, has preferred to to really go into detail of the opponents um, 
alongside the work that that we do as well which which Dome was was fantastic at he loved watching the opponent and and getting into the nitty-gritty um on, on that side of it Ronnie's massive on on our post-match feedback and how we evaluate ourselves and, the, and each individual so certain coaches work in in certain different ways but at the end of the day it's it's, it's still our football and then the then we're still working our ways to, to maximize our performance so we're fortunate with with our group of um at cfg and, and the way that we want to play the game our coaches are very similar in how they see the game being played so um it's been it's been great for me personally to be able to learn off such fantastic coaches and and kind of see their experiences and ask them questions about their experiences and how they've learned and developed over the years and, and to be able to piece that together as we as we move forward and hopefully provide that experience myself as as i work with different coaches has, has been fantastic jose Mourinho, uh, in a recent interview i heard him talking about uh, opposition analysis but his point was that uh, for him personally years ago studying the opponent was they spent a lot of time, probably a majority of their time on the opponent. But he said that's reversed for him, that it's more about spending more time on yourself because the opponents have become so sophisticated that no matter how you come out, I mean, they may they may show up with three at the back, they may be four at the back, that uh, teams have become more sophisticated in general. Now, he's talking about European clubs that he goes up against, but I think you probably agree that the, the same is occurring in MLS. Yeah, 100%. 100% the league is becoming um, a lot more tactically adept and there's, there's different ways, different uh, coaches are, are planning and preparing their teams. And obviously it's the same for us. And I refer to, keep referring back to how can we put ourselves on the opponent? That's that's always uh, the most important thing to do. We want to play our game in the way we see the game playing and, and be able to get the momentum in, in every game that we can and, and sustain that momentum. So for us, it's it's a balance of what information, like I referred to before, we don't want to overload the, the, the team with certain types of information, but as a coaching staff, we want to prepare and we prepare as, as best as we can, understanding the different scenarios each team is, that we come up against has faced. How did they respond in that? So we can have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C into, into what we face that we might we might need. If we're having a, a very good game and we've, we've got that momentum that we were looking for, then obviously we, we persist. If, as the game changes uh, tactically, that then we we have that plan to be able to respond in in the way that we that we see fit on the field to hopefully obviously maximize our chance of getting those three points. When you're in these uh, staff meetings, and you've looked at the opponent and all the all all of the uh, the coach the head coach and the assistants have done the same maybe through through film and having uh, you know maybe seen them before, and you're used to playing a, a certain shape or system. Is there sometimes the uh, the urge to to adjust to that opponent, though? Let's just say you're four at the back, which is generally how New York City has played under Ronnie Dyla. But there have been a couple of three at the back games, and maybe they didn't go particularly well. But is there ever a, uh, a bit of a discussion argument? I mean, you know, you guys are brothers. Everybody argues about certain things. But uh, there, there must be that urge sometimes when you see something you know you can exploit, yet you still want to do what you've done well. Yeah, of course. I mean, like like you referred to before, the different teams are becoming obviously more more advanced, and you can, if you watch a game now, it's very rarely you see a team playing say four two three one uh, in that exact shape um, if it's not kickoff. You know, you normally see four two three one at kickoff, and then after that, 
the shapes start to intermingle and, and the, the, obviously the game becomes a game. So it's very rarely, if, okay, we're playing 4 3 one but you, you, you're in that shape all the way through the game. It, it, obviously, the game doesn't play out like that. So for us, it's about being uh, really in tune, obviously, with the strengths of, of our team and individual players and, and what are their characteristics and their tendencies and where are their movements and what shapes do we take up as we're in attack as we obviously go through and create these attacking patterns that we want to exploit our opponent with and um, obviously play the way that we want to play. So there's there's some certain, there's some certain discussions, would this way of playing uh, be this way and kind of um, going back through our analysis and uh, kind of how we formulate the game plan. Um, there is some, there's back and forth as always. Like we have, people have good ideas, but what, what we have narrowed down and been really concise is a style of play. And we always have to go back to that style of play. So no matter we, you, obviously your poetic licenses as a coach, you, you can start to come up and be creative and you get the juices flowing as you, you speak about the game in different ways against certain opponents. But ultimately we have a style of play and that's there with our principles and sub principles of play that, okay, this is what we want to be as a, as a team. And um, this is how we want to play as a team. And now these are kind of, we always go back to the ways that, uh, we think we've, we've trained for, for the reasons that we trained. Daniel Fradley, uh, head of performance analysis, New York City FC here on the Coaching Academy. And well, let's take this back a little bit. Analytics, you know what? So what we see in the general public or media, whatever, we're not looking at film. We see the stats, you know, the you know, 14 shots, seven shots, two on frame, one on frame. Uh, and now we are starting to see more consistently expected goals, something called goals added. So let's get into this a little bit. How do uh, analytics and statistics merge? And what is the, um, you know, how, how does it heighten through uh, your analysis? Um, it all kind of, we have a, a way, um, obviously, obviously it's playing. And my job is to support um, and provide insight into how we play and how we can affect an opponent and through those numbers. And can we create um, a data set whereby we can judge and uh, analyze our performance using these numbers and using the um, making that relative to, to the individual. So obviously with this, as we've gone through the last probably four or five years since, since I've been here at NYCAC, we've become a lot more advanced in, in this field um, and affecting our team with um, we have access to information such as tracking data where at any point in time we can see where the ball is where our players are where the space is and the interaction and the movement uh, of these players so we can see the space between our defensive unit and our our furthest player forward and then all those units in between uh, so now the game's becoming a lot more advanced and like i referred to before with kind of our principles of play our sub principles of play within there you can then utilize uh, what we want to achieve and then utilize it data and apply that data to then pick out apart those principles and sub principles of play um, to then lead that, that analysis, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, this presentation you made about three and a half years ago, which is on the New York city FC YouTube channel, you brought up expected goals and how that is an indicator for you. Uh, so I, I'd like you to define what that is and how you use it, but also goals added, which I think has been added to the equation since, because you described in that video, you described, uh, a Jack Harrison. So we're going back. Jack Harrison was a winger for New York City. Uh, you described him getting uh, around the edge and then driving a, a beautiful ball on the deck across the top of the six beyond the keeper. But no one was there to finish. So that didn't count in the expected goals. But does that count in goals added? 
and you can explain all of that as you as you would like. Yeah. So it's well, what different clubs and um, teams have done now, they've created their own models as well as the models that you that you see obviously as you as you go through the MLS website, as you look at the as the opt data as well. So so we look at expected goals based on kind of chance quality, and we look at expected goals based on shot quality. And to have a chance, you have to have a shot. And to score a goal, it has to hit the target. So obviously we want to maximize the the opportunities where we are in shooting positions to hit the target. So if although you may have a, a chance, you've had a shot and it, it blazed over the bar and it might be from the penalty spot. Um that you have a that chance has a, an expected goal attached to it because it's a shot. But as an expected goal based on um, shot quality, it's been blazed over the bar. So it's got a very low score. Uh, based on expected goals, based on shots. Um, so we can use these metrics and apply them to individuals. We can apply them to our team to look at, okay, what type of, what quality of chances have we created? What's our finishing quality? And then from there, we can start to piece together, utilizing the video, um, what type of chances are we creating? Um, what are the, the optimal chances we're creating? How did we get into that situation? Is that repeatable? Because obviously we want to repeat and create the chances as much as we can to get the best quality of chance and give our players the best opportunities to have a quality shot as close to the goal as possible. So that then starts to inform our style of play and, and the principles that 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 we uh, we want to put into the team. So you don't uh, you don't use the terminology goals added. The way I I've I've seen it and I've talked to some people about it because I was intrigued by. It wasn't the shots, but it seemed to me it was more what led up to the shot, what what helped create the opportunity. Yeah, so we can look at the goals added, just a different type of terminology based on expected goals, based on that kind of chance quality. Yeah. There's, different, there's different teams that look at and have different terminology attached to certain metrics, depending on the, the algorithm and everything that goes into that algorithm to, to produce that metric. So, uh, well, it's interesting to hear that expected goals are... Uh, I would say is a very important feature in your analysis. Yeah, it definitely is. If we're looking at kind of overall performance um, and looking at that compared to the league and you can start to track and see kind of the teams that um, are at the top of the league based on their expected goals are typically the teams that are at the top of the league. So I think we've got what we've seen at this moment in time is you've got a probably 94% success rate on, on expected goals in kind of predicting um, what is to come. Wow. Moment in time, so utilizing that and, and referring to that and helping build that into parts of the analysis. It's only one part of the game and one part of the way of, of looking at the game. It's, it's obviously it's not the be all and end all um, of the sport, but it's it's a useful tool to inform the performance of the team and then the individuals, especially in, in the attacking half of uh, of the game. Daniel, how about possession? I don't want to say it's misunderstood, but it it almost bothers me when a team has the ball sixty percent of the game and they lose one nil. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where expected goals comes in. But how do you uh, how do you deal with that from an analytics standpoint? That the possession and and uh, possession with a purpose, or or you know, because uh, it's what you do with the possession, obviously that that makes a difference. Yeah, of course. I mean, in 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 my opinion as well, if if you're a team that has the ball the most, you, your opponent doesn't have it, so you've got less chance of conceding the uh, conceding the goal. So there's there's two ways of looking at that. Um, but also, we want to maximize the possession. Uh, and teams want to maximise possession that they do have. And we look at positive possession there. So within our possession, how many possessions do we have? What type, in what area, what location, and, and the ball speed of those types of possessions? Are we breaking lines in there? And then ultimately, 
Are we creating goal scoring opportunities, shooting opportunities? Are we winning uh, corners or free kicks, penalties, drawing fouls in, in the attacking third? So, so basically, because if, if you're doing that, if you're drawing fouls, you're putting the opponent in a situation where they feel like they have to foul for the most part in, in this situation. So you, you're causing disruption to the opponent. So by looking at, and uh, we have a metric of positive possession, by looking at that, we can really analyse in the certain uh, games against certain teams what each possession against certain teams looks like and, and, and what we can kind of uh, foresee in the, in the future. How would you define a positive possession? A positive possession, obviously, possessions where you have, you've kept the ball for a certain amount of time and then you broke, be able to break the lines to get into the attacking third to either create a goal-scoring opportunity, shooting opportunity, drawing a foul, winning a corner, winning a penalty. Um, so just as we get into that attacking third, we get behind the defensive, get behind the defensive line or in between the, the lines um, to then create something or to, to win something there. And you mentioned ball speed. Is there any way to uh, to look at that more closely other than just film? I mean, do, is there a metric uh, or, or some sort of analytic tool that can define that for you? Yeah, so we can through the through the tracking data, we can track ball speed and we can track obviously um speed of pass speed of movement speed of the ball all through our through our tracking data in there so we we can see obviously in transition moments the ball moves really fast and you can get get to the attacking for as quickly as you can but in in longer periods of possession it's really important for players to understand when to slow the ball down but then obviously speed the ball up in moments where you have the space to then go and exploit so being looking at that in a in a in an analysis way to look at certain possessions is is useful especially in moments where we're looking at our attacking patterns, the way we want to play the game. We know the moments where we need to play quickly to be able to exploit the space in the best way that we can. So utilizing this is just another way of feeding information. It doesn't have to be straight to the players. It could be as a coaching staff to understand their moments. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you, can you sit down with a player and show them, show them their touches and, and, uh, and their ball speed graphically as well as on video? And what is that system called? So we, we utilize a number of, of systems now. So obviously the one uh, renowned at the moment is, is Sports Code, Huddle Sports Code. Uh, we use them for, for video analysis pers- uh, purposes. Um, SBG is a company doing some great things with their tools such as Focus and Match Tracker. Um, so there's, there's different ways and lots of different um, software that has come out in the last three to four years that different teams are making different uses of. So there's, there's many others throughout the league that different clubs are using. It's not just them to the be all and end all different different teams have different processes as well so you're comfortable with what you have yeah of course definitely <laughs> daniel fradley head of performance analysis new york city fc hey one final thing i wanted to ask you before i just get to performance uh, analyst as a career halftime so there you I, I know you're you're doing things live during the match you know coding or however you define that are you presenting are, are with with Ronnie and, and the staff? Are do you present a film at halftime for the players to view clips or or things or tendencies that can help them for the second half? Is that part of your uh, part of your responsibility? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We're um, every halftime we have a process set up to obviously feed back the information of what we're seeing from from above. Um, we go down and obviously depending on the game, the um, obviously are we winning, are we losing? What's the momentum looking like in the game? Sometimes we will choose not to, but this the past year we've we've done a lot of video at halftime to to really key in on on certain key moments. So um, I'll speak with Ronnie and, and Nick and obviously the, the other coaches to to show them the certain video clips um, of 
positive play, play where the opponents might have, have got gained an advantage on us. And then from there, we have a, a brief discussion. OK, we, do we want to go and show this? Does this fall in line with what everybody's thinking? And then, yeah, from there. we. Wow. we what's, the, what's the mechanics for you during that? So you're, you're coding, you're there, you know, with your computer watching the game. Uh, what are the exact mechanics? You're seeing things and going, ah, this is something we need to show at halftime. Yeah, so from obviously utilizing the software and leveraging the the, the technology that, that we have, um, I have certain moments that come into the into my laptop utilizing the data, which build out certain rows of um, are making certain clips based on certain areas of the game. And other moments I'm coding myself, um, whether that's uh, individuals. Um, so usually at a game, we'll, we'll have two analysts. We'll have myself with either with Dan or Kevin, one might be filming and looking at the individuals and coding individuals based on their individual objectives um, of development, their touches um, and key moments of the game for those individuals and, and set pieces as well. Because then we, we drop down right. and we'll look at all the set piece analysis um, with two, with the coaches as well at halftime. Um, so that's, they're responsible for, for that side of it. And then I'm taking in the, the tactical uh, side of, of the game, looking at the different game phases. Uh, some of that will come through directly as data and then some of that is, is manually coded. Um, as, as we're going through the game, I'm selecting the moments and putting them into, into an organiser to kind of put my thoughts down rather than on paper. It, it's in video format with maybe notes over, over the top and certain right. Right. over the top of those individual clips. And then from there, probably as you're looking at 35 minutes to half time, I'm using some time to just piece those thoughts together whilst the game is, is ongoing to, to see what would be relevant in those moments as well. Do you ever get a, a radio communication from below saying, hey, Daniel, make sure you have this for halftime, dude? Exactly. That's the, yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of teams now with the with the league as they progress, we can send video back and forth to, to the bench um, for certain areas that we want to speak. And we have. Oh, I didn't know that. So, well, yeah. so you can send it to the bench, like, so that maybe even uh, if, if uh, if a reserve is coming in 15 minutes into the second half, they could look at something before they go on, that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. And like I said, if it is uh, certain phases of the game that we want to we want to focus on, I can send that down. Normally the iPad sits with, with Nick and with Mehdi, uh, and they can have a look and review it. And then if, if we feel like we can impact uh, Ronnie with that, then we can do. Uh, and at times you might see players coming over to, to view that type of material as well if we want to really send a message in game. All right, well... Uh... Doing this as a career, um, if, if you could just fill us in a little bit on your education, which which led to this. I know you played, and uh, but you know the thing that you uh, you know I think it's really fascinating, and I think uh, anyone listening to this, it's uh, really into the game and into the uh, analysis of it. You know, you're they recognize that you're you are a coach. I mean, you're you're looking at things, you're deciding what's important, you're writing notes, you know, and ultimately Ronnie Dyla has to make the decision, but. Uh, uh, this is pretty cool, but uh, maybe a little bit about your background, how you got to this position, and and this is a career path for somebody. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it was um, I finished playing, and all I knew was a game. Kind of growing up in in Manchester, I was obviously that's all I wanted to do, and I wanted to to still be a part of it. So after finishing playing, I went to I went actually back to the team I used to play for, and started scouting and doing little bits within the academy. Um, little bit of coaching here and there uh, and then I went over to university and I didn't really fully understand or know too much about the the performance analysis side of, of the game until I went to university and you started there was a model uh, sorry a module called performance analysis so I studied sports science um, at university in Sheffield and as you kind of go through after the first year of that course 
you can kind of branch off into the different roles, whether that's physiology, whether that's psychology, whether that's performance analysis. I chose performance analysis route because I felt like it was a game and it was be able to provide something to coaches and a different angle at that time to, to be able to review performance, impact performance and hopefully develop players. So um, as I was scouting and, and doing little bits of coaching within, within the academy there, um, I was probably 19 at the time, I felt like this video analysis would be would serve me fantastic. So I kind of pretty much got a, an old school Mac from the university, got a couple of wires. I didn't know I was doing what I was doing with them, got a camera, didn't know what I was doing with that and just felt, right, okay, so I know this camera, this footage can feed into this laptop. How do I do that? Figured that out. And then just went uh, as part of the work experience module that we had to do for, for my degree. I just knocked on the, the door of the under 18s coach and said, look, I don't think you're filming games. I can come. I've got, look, I've got a camera and a laptop and then start to, to feed back some video clips. Um, and then it just evolved from there. Um, I was obviously, you had to have a, a little bit of balls to, to go and just ask and try and demand and create a role for yourself because there was, there was a niche there and it wasn't at the, the level at the time we were in, uh, it were in league two uh, in England. So obviously resources and financial support was, wasn't directed to that area of the game. So from there, I was I was really fortunate. Um, one of my old coaches, Keith Hill, now I think is the the head coach at Tranmere Rovers. Now he was he came back to Rochdale and brought um, the coaching staff up from the youth team to then support the first team. So um, as yeah, I was twenty twenty one at that point and was supporting the first team in the same way. Now we are or very similar ways to the way we are with NYCFC in terms of doing opponent analysis, post match video, individual development, um, and then from from that side of it, started to develop a a video analysis intern group that came to came to the team and, and worked within the academy and supported all the way up through the ace groups. So as, as well as doing my work experience there and then which ultimately led to, to a full-time position with the club, we kind of supported that the route from universities and started to filter through an analysis in that way. And I feel like in, in the States at this moment in time, there's there's a lot of few universities um, that are looking to develop that type of pathway as well, depending obviously the courses that they, that they have available. Yeah. And we didn't even delve into actual scouting and how you work maybe with David Lee, you know, in terms of uh, reviewing that, you know, as to, you know, who to go out and watch and, you know, ultimately sign. But that will be uh, that'll be another show, Daniel. We'll we'll do we'll do part two someday for sure. Uh, Manchester. So uh, city or United supporter when you were growing up and be honest. Yeah. Growing up, I was a Manchester United supporter. All right. Yeah, I was very much uh, class of 92 and Sir Alex Ferguson all the way through. But one, one thing I found, obviously, from from the clubs that I work for and uh, the time that you spend in the game, you end up supporting the club you're working for because time is at the essence and, you, and you're watching games relative to that team. So I'm, I'm, I'm fully uh, NYCFC in Manchester now. So. All right. Well, Daniel Fradley, uh, Head of Performance Analysis, New York City FC, thank you for uh, for sharing and, uh, and giving us your time today on this. It's... Uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great topic, great stuff, and it's something that uh, I know will continue to grow. And uh, do appreciate it, Daniel. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. This is Glenn Crooks on Frame.